Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Learning Out Loud. Today, we're joined by Sophie Smith, a 2023 UVA McIntyre School of Commerce graduate. Marley and I saw Sophie's presentation at a UVA entrepreneurship event this spring, where she received a $300,000 investment from the university for her company, College Contact. College Contact has disrupted the college advising market by providing a unique and effective solution for the 75% of college applicants who apply alone each year. Since its founding in 2020, College Contact has, has assisted over 1,500 students, achieving an 86% placement rate for their top choice schools. Currently, they have 16 college students on the platform, and an additional 50 will be onboarded from a pool of over 200 student applicants in the next month. The platform's marketing videos have gained significant traction, with an audience of 13.3 million viewers worldwide. We spoke to Sophie about her time at UVA and how she leveraged her connections with the university, especially over the past year, to put herself in a position where she is now pursuing college contact full-time. Enjoy. Learning Out Loud is excited to announce that we're forming a partnership with College Contact. College Contact is a technology platform that connects high school students with college undergraduates for affordable and accessible college admissions advising. In short, your student gets to meet with a current college student at their favorite university. Once you set up an initial meeting with College Contact, they'll match your high school to a college student based on your preferences. This college student will mentor and advise your high schooler through the entire process, from forming a college list to brainstorming, writing, and editing college essays to applying for scholarships and financial aid. The best part? It's extremely affordable, with hourly sessions starting at just $60 an hour with our 20% off discount code, Learning Out Loud. Okay, so uh, so just to get started, if you want to give a five-minute overview uh, of you know how you got to UVA, how you started College Contact, where that's brought you now, and then what your plans are for the next couple of years moving forward, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, of course. So I grew up in Jupiter, Florida. Um, both my parents grew up there. I had a set of grandparents that grew up there. So pretty Floridian native, um, Floridian native family. Um, my dad went to McIntyre and graduated in 1995. Um, but growing up, he wasn't super push. He, he didn't push me towards any one school. Um, I remember growing up, we often came up here for games. Um, there was this one moment where he brought me to UVA and um, I was a big nerd when I was younger. So I loved history. And um, I remember coming up here at like nine years old with a side ponytail. <laughs> in the early 2000s and uh, walking around the lawn and just like bringing my hand along the um, along the like lawn rooms and things like that and just being in complete awe of UVA overall um, I just thought it was so cool that a university could be founded by a founding father at the time it was just it just blew my mind that you know the things I was learning in a textbook were real life um, so I think my interest in UVA started then. And then as I got older in high school, I um, was one of those rebellious teenagers where I was kind of like, I'm not going to go there. That's where my dad went. I'm forming my own path. And I ended up applying to about 20 different schools. Um, A, because I loved writing and I actually really enjoyed the college application process. I thought it was fun. But B, um, because I was really challenging myself and I was interested in where I could end up. But I think in the back of my head, I always knew that I wanted UVA. 
I just didn't really want to say it out loud. I think because I was scared, I wouldn't be able to be there in that lawn as a student. Um, so when the moment came, when I actually got in, and it's a funny story with that too, I, um, like I said, I applied to about 20 schools and the timeline of how I heard back from those schools was really interesting. We had, um, it was like, and you guys are familiar with this, it's back to back. You kind of get them all at once. And UVA was the last decision that I had in my inbox. Um, and I was actually on a family vacation at the time. Um, and I, I opened it in front of my entire family. And that was the last decision. And I just knew we were kind of holding out for UVA. And um, in that moment, I knew I was going to UVA. Um, so that's how I ended up at UVA. When I got to UVA, I, I think it was overwhelming coming from out of state. I didn't know anyone there. Um, I obviously had only been there a few times and that was when I was younger. So my memories of it were very much <laughs> in the clouds. And now I was actually a student on campus with a backpack. Um, so it was a lot different than I think I had imagined when I was younger. Um, and that ended up being for the better, actually. Um, I quickly like made a lot of friends. I put myself out there right from the start. Um, I tried out for like tour guides, um, got into tour guides right off the bat, joined a lot of clubs. And um, as I started doing more and more things on campus, I started meeting more and more people. And that expanded beyond just my friends and professors I knew. It expanded into like the broader Charlottesville community um, as I was involved in Madison House and things like that. Um, and then I was actually a first year when the COVID pandemic hit. So it was around March where we went home for spring break and pandemic hit. So we were actually, all of our stuff was still in the dorms um, and we never came home from spring break or never came back from spring break. So my stuff was sitting in a dorm until about August. Um, when that happened, I moved out, um, in August and I had an internship lined up for that summer. And unfortunately it got canceled because of COVID. So at the time I was living with a friend in New York, um, over the summer and I am a doer. So I had made a lot of connections in my first year, like I explained, and two of those connections were actually professors at UVA who were piloting a program called the EOLO Fellowship. And basically what it was, was um, they were looking for students who were interested in learning more about venture capital and entrepreneurship. And being me, I begged my dad to sign me up for the program. It was like a thousand dollar investment. And that he still jokes was the best thousand dollar investment he made because the learnings I took from that program actually helped me start College Contact and build it to what it was today. So over the summer, I started taking that program. And then simultaneously, because that wasn't enough things for me to do, I also signed up for an internship, which at the time it was a fourth year or third year who started it, a student at UVA. It was another ed tech startup. And what she was trying to do was level the playing field for elementary and middle school students who were um, struggling with the transition to online learning. So um, 
I joined on as a data analyst. So it was kind of like a, <laughs> I was an intern, a first year intern for a third year UVA student. And um, one of the tasks we had over the summer was get high school students to sign up for our summer program. And I didn't know a lot of high school students. I had my sister's friends who were in high school, but I really didn't want to do that task. I wanted to do more of the data entry. So my I decided that how I was going to fulfill that task was I was going to post a video on TikTok. Um, and this was when TikTok was starting to get more popular. People were bored over the pandemic. And I posted on my personal account. I think I probably had like 80 followers as like my friends. And um, I remember posting it. It was like a really silly video of me just saying, sign up for this high school summer internship program if you're bored. And I went to bed that night and woke up and um, that's when my whole, whole world changed. Um, we had, I think there was like 300,000 views, um, over 100,000 comments. And what actually ended up happening was I saw that and first of all, I was, blown away. I never imagined that that could have happened. But the next thing that happened was the founder called me and she was like, what did you do? And I was like, what do you mean? And she kind of said, well, we, we got 800 applicants overnight. <laughs> they were looking to do like a 20 person program. And so she was like, we have to shut down the application. Like you just maxed it out in one night. And so then they had to rethink the whole thing and they opened up a new program and all that. And being me, you know, I was doing the ELO fellowship and this at the same time, but I'm very scrappy and I like to look into what's working and what isn't. And it, the, the fact that that blew up really intrigued me. And so I posted another video um, right after that. And I had noticed that in the comments, a lot of the students were asking, does this program talk about how to get into college? And then people would create conversations. Yeah, I'm struggling a lot. I don't know how to write an essay. No one will help me, things like that. And I've always been a really strong writer. And so I was curious and I started looking up things about the college application process. I knew I applied to 20 schools and loved it. And I thought maybe I can help a few of these kids out and make some extra money this summer. So I ended up piloting a whole new, um, a whole new video and put that out and said, hey, if anyone wants help, I'm happy to help. I'm not doing much this summer. I put a link in the bio. If you want to just fill it out, I'll get back to you. I'll charge like $50 an hour or something really cheap. It might have even been cheaper than that. And again, almost overnight, I think in a period of a month, we had 300 kids fill it out asking for help. And then over a period of a few months, it was over 800. So I quickly realized, yeah, this isn't going to work. I don't have enough hours in the day to handle this. Um, and then from there, I created a website and made it more formal, um, made it easier for students to book with me, started accepting payments and ended up actually quitting the um the internship with the student ed tech group because I didn't have enough time. Um, but yeah, I can stop there. I kind of went through a lot. But uh, yeah, that's kind of that was the initial process of how everything started kind of came to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great synopsis. So 
starting off with the the kids that you were helping out fill out their applications, were you helping out with any particular part of the process or just kind of start to finish? You would work with the student for X number of hours and walk them through the whole thing. Yeah, great question. So when you're first starting, like you really don't really, you don't really know what you're doing, right? And honestly, that's the case for most people throughout their entire journey of starting a company. Um, it's a lot of just pretending, right? Just figuring it out as you go. Um, so when I first put up the website and kept posting more videos, I was more doing customer discovery at that point, And I didn't even know what that term means. Um, now I'm understanding how this all fits into like an entrepreneurship class or an entrepreneurship curriculum. But at the time I was just doing what made sense. And the big thing for me was just listening to the kids when they got on the phone call, like, how can I help you? You know, what are you going through? Are you stressed out? What are you most stressed about? You know, what can I, what would make this phone call most worth it for you and most worth the dollars you put into this phone call? And from there, I would just help them with whatever they needed throughout the process. And if there was something that at the time I wasn't familiar with or didn't know, I would say, I'm going to email you right after this and get back to you with your question on that. Um, and that's kind of how it first started. And then as I kept doing them, because I had a lot of clients building up, I started getting better and better at realizing, okay, it seems like 90% of the students want help with the essay. And that's my strongest component. So how can I create a standardized, scalable way of helping them through the essay? And that's how I started creating templates and things like that process. Um, and then from there, started hiring friends to, you know, train them and have them join me in the, in the company building process. But yeah, at first it was a lot of just back and forth. Like, does this price make sense to you? You know, I, I'm a college student. I'm not really a formal college counselor. How can I help you? That's really, it's like the empathy piece and just listening and learning from there. Um, trial and error. That's what kind of how it kind of started. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about how you've been able to do this while being in school? I know at the very beginning it was during COVID, so that obviously gave you more time, but obviously you've had a lot of success with the amount of people that you've been able to help and all the funding that you've gotten. It's like super impressive, obviously, while still being in school. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, it's interesting because I, um, as you know, I studied at McIntyre. So my second year, I went into the business school at UVA and a lot of the things I was learning became almost like supplemental to me building the business. It almost became like the business was my live business textbook or case. So things that were happening after I got out of the classroom were like, euphoric moments when I got back in the classroom because I realized the things that I was learning were the things I was having to execute when I went home. So I think that helped a lot in the sense that it didn't always feel like I was trying to manage my time between class and, and, and uh, building the business because I was taking my homework and applying it to the business. Um, but in that sense, it is difficult because there were a lot of social things that I wanted to stay involved in. There were other clubs I was involved in. Um, and so I think I got better and better at managing my time as I continued to build out my team and realized that there's no way that I was going to build a company by myself. 
Um, and just realizing that the environment of UVA is so conducive to teamwork and coachability that I would go and ask professors, look, I'm struggling managing this. How would you recommend I go about this? Hire another counselor. Or why don't you spend a whole weekend building on a training course or a series of videos so you don't have to sit there one-on-one -on -one with a counselor and train them? So it was things like that that helped me optimize my time um, as I was a student. Um, I know, like, for instance, one thing I did was um, I actually started my own summer internship program as I was a summer intern for a bigger company. And um, I had high school interns working for me. And that was kind of on their resume. They still have it on their resume that we still talk. Um, and I kind of created ahead of time a whole schedule of events. This is when you're presenting this to me. These are your daily activities and things like that so that I could still go and live my life and do things I wanted to do. But the business was still operating like as I slept or as I was doing this and that. So I think it's really, it's, it is about managing your time efficiently and you know setting a calendar and things like that. But it's also about realizing that you have to be humble enough to understand that you can't do it all yourself. And there's people out there that are willing to help you. It's just realizing what's the best use of your time for training these people and then gaining advice from mentors and advisors and things like that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I keep thinking and saying over and over too, like I need to make sure that I'm using my resources at UVA. Like there's only, yes. I mean, I know I'll have them once I graduate too, but like I'm only there for two more years. I need to make sure I'm using them. So well, yes. Some of those classes you took that you think like really did apply to like your your real business? Yeah, great question. So it, at McIntyre, one of the things you do in your third year, and it's pretty intensive, um, is the ICE program. So I believe ICE stands for intensive core experience or something like that. Um, and what, what happens is, is you go through a series of business cases and business scenarios where you're presenting to people live, um, it's almost like military boot camp where you are, I mean, it went down to the nitty gritty of when you stand up in front of a, in front of a panel of investors or a, a business board and you're giving a pitch, you know, your thumbs have to be tucked in. You have to be standing this, you know, this far away from the screen. You can't, you don't have six words on the screen. I mean, there were so many like small little details that trained me so well and translated so well into me applying to business competitions or learning how to write an email um, or speaking to an investor on the phone. And they also translated really well into my internship experiences that I completed um, throughout my time at UVA with bigger corporations. Um, and so I think ICE was the main thing that I was taking a lot of um, skills back to my business. And then there were more concrete things that have been really applicable. Obviously, a lot of the marketing classes have been really helpful. Um, it's always important, even though I didn't love accounting, um, that was helpful to learn, you know, how to build a cash flow statement, balance sheet, things like that. Um, and then project and product management was really helpful to learn agile methodology and how to go through a project and manage your team. That was pretty helpful. Um, and the last big thing was definitely like the negotiation classes you take um, in ICE. 
um, where you're doing real life negotiations. I can't tell you how many times I did a negotiation today um, where that's been helpful. Even just when you walk out of the room, when you come in, you know, things like that. So. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I, I just have a question about going back to when you were thinking, when you first started the business, essentially, you know, you were trading your time and uh, experience with the process for, you know, the student's money. So how did you go about creating leverage and pivoting to where you had other people that were helping you out, where you said the business was making money, you know, while you were doing other things? What were the, the two or three items that you were trying to take care of first to make sure that you had that leverage and that it was scaling, you know, exponentially instead of linearly? Yeah, great question. So the biggest thing was definitely the training course. Um, so one of the biggest time, I guess, consumers for a business owner is having hiring and training employees so that you don't, you can feel okay, like leaving the office or doing something else. Um, and you're not worried about your business tanking because maybe you didn't hire the right person or they're not adequate or competent enough to do the job. And for me, what's always been most important is that quality control for the high school student we're working with. It's really important to us that we're professional, but we're also friends and mentors to these students and that they're getting something out of these meetings that they can't get anywhere else. That was really important to me. And um, how I kind of went about making sure that quality assurance was in place was I started really diving into the essay process, sales processes, um, optimizing like the process from when I hired a new counselor until when they got a meeting booked or when an essay was submitted, how that all played out. And then I spent a lot of time with my camera and a background filming videos of me going through every certain, every scenario I could think of, of what might happen in a phone call or a, a parent walks in the room, this is what you're gonna do and what you're gonna say. Um, you know, a student wants to apply to this school. How do we, you know, transition them away from that school or whatever it might be? Um, that was something I spent a lot of time on in the beginning. And I'm so glad I did that because it optimized so many of my processes across the board. At that point, I was really just hiring people, spending time on the interview, sending the link to the training course, and then kind of hands off, they were ready to go. I think for me and my business in particular, that was a big point. The second point I would say happened more recently, and that was the adoption of um, more technology into the into the platform. So up until about, I would say, um, maybe six months ago, I really saw College Contact as more of just like a college counseling services company. And as of recent, we've transitioned more into an ed technology company. We're really just the platform and we're the two-sided market where college students can earn extra income and high school students can come and meet with their mentor match. Um, and so that switch and that focus from the services side to more of the technology build out has really, really allowed us to scale pretty fast. Um, we, we tripled the team um, size. Now we have salaried employees. It's just kind of grown a lot faster. 
And one thing we did in particular to optimize that process was we integrated a matching quiz on the homepage of our website. So students could themselves find their perfect match by going through a series of quick questions and getting matched to a counselor in seconds that met all their profile needs. Um, so that those are the two big levers, I would say, um, that come to the top of mind. Yeah, awesome. That was that was a great answer. So thank you. Um, so how did that switch happen where you went from providing the service to the two-sided market? Was that something that you had thought about for a while or was that kind of, uh, you know, the opportunity presented itself? Yeah, so this is a funny thing. Um, when I first started College Contact, it happened as an accident, kind of like I explained. I wasn't someone who want, saw a problem and wanted to solve it and be an entrepreneur. It just kind of the, the opportunity materialized for me. And then as I continued on through college, I really only saw it as a fun side hustle. Um, obviously, I was really ecstatic at the fact that I was a founder and I had a company and people found that amazing that I was doing this while I was a full-time student, but I never let my ego get in the way of what the mission was. And then um, I didn't find out about any entrepreneurship things until my final year, actually this year, um, as a student at UVA, I, my eyes were open to all of the opportunities that were present for students that had companies. And so one of the big things that I applied for was the entrepreneurship competitions. And that first competition, we ended up winning. At that point, I'd still thought of College Contact as a fun side hustle. And when that happened and I got my first, I think it was the first one was about a thousand dollar check, things started turning in my head. They're seeing something here. What am I missing? And at that point, I had even accepted an offer at Morgan Stanley. I was going a totally different career path. And then over um, winter break, um, from between December and January, we were gearing up for the second competition. And I actually was introduced to Damon DeVito, who I'm sure that you guys have heard of from your other um, interviews. Mm -hmm. And um, he was a, a life changer for me. I had the opportunity to meet him and sit down with him. And in the first 30 minutes, um, he kind of looked at me and was like, what are you doing? This is like, I've never seen this kind of progress at your age, you know, like, you have to take this, you have so much traction, you have to run with it. You've got to apply to the next competition. And I want you to join my MBA level class this semester. And that is very rare that he would accept an undergraduate student into his MBA class. A lot of MBA students fight to be in his class. Um, and so that was a big awakening call for me. So I ended up joining his MBA class and things started, it was a slow burn of what is going on here? Maybe there's something here. I ended up bringing two other girls into the class to start helping me. And we applied to the second round of the competition and won again. And then I was holding a $5,000 check and it was kind of like, okay, what is like, there's no way that I can build this thing if I were to do this. It's it can't be a services company. That's just not going to work. So what do I need to do to pivot? Um, and that's when the, when the idea of the ed tech company really kind of 
started formulating in my mind and we really started exploring it and looking at financial models like how can we actually do this can we have 100 people on the platform as college students across the country can we have 10,000 college students? i mean it just blows your mind when you actually start thinking about it and all through the semester um, things just kept happening one after one where it's almost like the universe kept telling me you need to listen to what the students are saying you need to listen to your customers like Sophie wake up you need to listen there's something here um, and then the biggest wake-up call was obviously um, the final stage of the e-cup competition which was the most difficult round um, we're competing for a twenty thousand dollar check and there's about 80 applicants. They boil it down to 10 finalists. You do a whole interview process that takes about a day. Then you have to go on stage with those 10 interview or 10 finalists and pitch in front of a huge live audience. And we ended up winning the whole thing. So I was like, okay, well now we have $20,000. Like, I think this is the final sign that I have to do this and run with it. Um, so that's kind of how that mindset shift changed. It was definitely a slower burn for me, but um, I've always had this intense entrepreneurial drive within me. So it was almost a no brainer. I think it was just what was setting me back was, is this the company? And I should, I guess I should have seen it sooner that the traction just speaks for itself. That's really, really awesome. Like a very cool story. Um, would you say that you decided to decline the offer from Morgan Stanley like during this time with the traction or how did that decision-making process work? Yeah, great question. So we won the E-Cup and then after that we had a few other big moments. We were getting invited to all these events. We were the only student team to pitch the Gallant Challenge, which was a huge accomplishment. We were pitching alongside um investors it's kind of funny we were pitching alongside investors or I'm sorry founders that were trying to raise like 20 million dollars we're sitting there like we're raising 300,000 um but it was a really good exercise and that was awesome and then um I had a co so my co-founder now who wasn't a co-founder then she just kept working with me and kept believing in me and um, as we kept working together, it became really clear that we were a really good team and a brand. And I think it took a lot of pressure off of me as we were going through all these competitions, these investor meetings, these pitches and iterating, um, that I kind of started thinking in my head, you know, how cool would it be if she and I could work on this together and move somewhere and just see where it goes. I'm 22. I can hopefully go back to Morgan Stanley one day if it doesn't work out, you know, maybe I should take the risk. And it definitely had, a, there was a lot of um, back and forth, obviously. And then I ended up making that phone call to my boss at the time. And he ha had already known it was coming. He was like, I'm not surprised. I already know what you're calling about. I'm not surprised in the slightest. You're always welcome to come back, but you absolutely have to do this. Um, so it, it was awesome. I got support all around and um, I think I made a good decision just in the sense that um, a lot of times these opportunities only come a few times in life. And I think that's part of being an entrepreneur is taking the risk and um, just continuously learning from failures and successes as you go. 
along. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's awesome. And so, how did you, um, you know, manage as a as a student going through that process? Were you kind of seeking this out, like meeting with Damien? Were you seeking out going to the Glant Challenge, or how was that kind of reciprocal relationship with the university as a founder and as a student part of that process to continue on the on that path? Yeah, great question. So the process really started kind of like what I said with the EOLO fellowship, where um, I was working with two EVA professors when the company started. And after I had that formed that relationship with them, I kind of told them obviously about the company and how it was going. And it was just a fun side business, but I kept in contact with them, which is probably one of the biggest messages I have is networking is so important. And it's not just speaking to someone once, it's regular contact with them. So I maintained that contact. I would reach out, you know, every two months, every three months or whatever it was. And I started building a relationship with them so that when I actually got into McIntyre, I decided to pursue the entrepreneurship minor. I already knew two of the professors in the program. And um, as I continued through the program and finalized it with the capstone class my last year, that's when I really started getting um, more, I, I started getting more awareness into the activities of entrepreneurship at UVA. Um, obviously, I wish I had caught on sooner, probably, but I, I really do think things happen for a reason. You know, maybe if I had won competitions earlier, I wouldn't have taken the leap of faith to do it full time. So I think um, like Eric Martin, Chip Ransler, um, Brendan Richardson, those are three core advisors to me. I got off the phone off the phone with two of them this morning. Um, we talk regularly and they're very helpful through the process. So they have been really big guiding forces for me. Um, so in that sense, I didn't necessarily seek those individuals out. They were kind of part of my core curriculum, but um, Damon was a kind of, it's hard talking about him. Um, he he sought me out um after the e-cup mm-hmm. uh, and after that happened and i met him i think a lot of the success is him um that we've had since he passed in january has been him just guiding us through a lot of this i mean Lee and I, my co-founder and I have a practice of meditating or praying before all of our competitions, all of our investor meetings, and we always send a little note up to Damon. Um, and so I think knowing that he's still with us and um, helping us through every facet of it um, is really comforting and uh, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it with us we appreciate that yeah you've definitely not been the first one to mention him so he clearly has had a very big impact on everything related to entrepreneurship at uva he Um, would have loved what you guys do so yeah yeah. um watching (laughs) he knows you guys are he's cheering you on (laughs) um so i guess can you talk a little bit more about so what's next so you didn't accept the offer at morgan stanley what are you about to be doing now Yeah, great question. So things have been really hectic, actually, since in the past 72 hours. Um, We've been pitching to investors, and we have one investor interested for 
a pretty substantial amount. So we got a phone call on Thursday. Um, he, and this is what happens, right? He, he kind of gave me a call and was like, all right, we're pretty interested. We want by Tuesday morning, you to come up with a whole new business plan, a whole new financial model, a whole new like expansion vision with this new amount of money that is like triple the amount we were originally raising. Um, and I want you to come with it all within the next 72 hours. So what we ended up doing was um, we, I got on the phone right away with our two employees that we had hired at the time and um, flew them out in the next, in the, in the last, I guess in the next 12 hours. Um, and so they've actually been here sleeping on the couch since Friday. Um, and we've been working nonstop. I look a little tired, I'm sure. Um, but we've yeah. been up since three, um, got here again at seven. We, we have about a 42 page business memo that we're about to finalize and the meeting's Tuesday morning. So that's exciting. Hopefully we can close the round. And that will be our first big capital raise. So we'll be able to expand pretty quickly. Um, we have pretty lofty goals for the end of the year. Um, we're aiming for about 7,400 students served by the end of December. We currently have about 50 college students as working for us. Um, and that, that used to be like eight. So that was a big jump. Um, and we're about to hire three more salaried full-time employees, which is craziness. Wow. Um, we're about to move the business down to Austin, we believe, and we'll be participating in an accelerator down there um, for the next few months, and then probably set up the business full-time and have everyone come in person um, starting in January 2024. So just a lot of still trial and error iteration um you know prayers and meditations and uh hard work and um no sleep <laughs> and ramen <laughs> very exciting and we, we definitely could have rescheduled yeah, yeah <laughs> oh, no it's okay that's um yeah you gotta know when obviously to reschedule but um there's certain things for me that are really important. And the big thing for me is helping other student entrepreneurs. So I couldn't cancel on you guys. <laughs> no way. Yeah. It's so, a good brain break. Um, yeah. So along those lines, what advice do you have for students in our position or similar to us where we're kind of just starting out and whether, you know, students are at UVA or not, but how do you recommend students go about building their business, utilizing the resources of the university and getting to the next step like where you are now? Yeah. So the biggest thing, and like, this is, this is just the biggest thing I can tell you. And I've been telling a lot of people is the difference between my form of entrepreneurship or the form of entrepreneurship of someone who maybe came about it by accident versus someone who is seeking to be an entrepreneur is that I feel like a lot of times when students come up with a problem or are coming up with a solution to a problem they see is happening in the world, which is so important, and a lot of those companies succeed and do really well, um, is you get stuck in 
what I like to call the clouds or playing entrepreneur because it's really fun, right? It's fun to be a business owner. It's fun to have a team. It's fun to have an office. It's fun to have a schedule. It's fun to, you know, X, Y, and Z. And you're always thinking about the next thing. Oh, what if we add this feature? What if we add this feature? But the problem with that a lot of times is you fail pretty quickly because you realize that you're focusing on the things that don't matter. Whereas I think the reason why we had so much traction right off the bat and I'm able to do this full time is I kind of just cut my head down and I focused on the customer and what is their problem? You know, they're my boss, right? Like the, the customer is ultimately my boss. Um, and so not getting caught in the clouds is so important. And that's kind of our co-founder motto. Like whenever one of us feels like we're getting in the clouds, we'll kind of nudge each other and be like, wait a minute, <laughs> stay on the ground um, because it's so easy to do. So that's probably my biggest message is just make sure that you're not thinking too far out too quickly because it's really easy to be like, I have this big idea and now we need all this money because I need all these features or I need money to market. No, there is so much you can do with the laptop you have and Google like there are so many things you can do with a flyer or going in person and asking someone for something, right? Or getting on the phone and randomly cold calling someone. You don't need a lot of money to, you know, figure out what it is that people need and what their problem is. And so just keeping your heads down and staying humble and keeping your feet on the ground is like the biggest takeaway I've learned from doing this myself and trying not to get into the clouds but also like watching other students around me who are at different stages than us, whether like they're just starting or they're way, you know, bigger than us. Uh, that's the common theme I've been seeing over the past like year and a half is it's very easy to get caught up in the I'm playing entrepreneur and this is really fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you know Alex Hermosi at all he's like a no. big guy. he has a really good podcast you should check it out but I was just telling them that I was listening to one the other day and he was saying that in college he kind of considered himself a, a entrepreneur but now he's actually an entrepreneur and I thought that that was like yeah. a really good way of summarizing it and it like really goes along with what you're saying I really liked that yeah and it's like there's nothing wrong I I was a entrepreneur when I was little I had so many small little crazy business I mean I started a play company when I was a 10 and made my parents pay 90 dollars to show up when I also made them buy all the costumes I mean I made them so much business model it's a great business model um <laughs> you know like make them pay for the costs and then pay to attend but um you know I I was I was totally like that you know I wanted to be an entrepreneur so bad and I think that's it's so funny now that like the company I ended up starting was never what I would have imagined I would have started, right? That wasn't my dream, you know? Um, but then when it started happening and I was making such a big impact on these students, it just became a no-brainer. And it was very easy to, I think because we're such a social impact company, it's, it's, it is a little bit easier to stay feet on the ground because you're working with students that really need help, but it's still hard, right? Like, you know, there's always distractions. There's always things where you're like, man, wouldn't it be so cool if we raised $20 million, right? Like we could do so much. 
but you know, we're, we're too young for that. Right. Or wouldn't it be so cool if we added this filter feature on our website? Oh wait, it's $10,000, right? <laughs> like that's not that important to the mission right now. So it's like keeping your feet on the ground, but also looking up is really important. Yeah. That's a very, yeah. very mature perspective. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess the last thing we would have, we've kind of been asking everybody this or close to everybody. Um, how would you define success? And do you think that you're living up to that? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, to be quite honest, I'm 22. And so I really don't even know if I've seen like success in the sense of like what the world might might think it is right like I'm technically a volunteer for college contact we're living off um savings so you know it's definitely not financial success yet for us at least for my co-founder and I we're not paying ourselves yet um but I think it's easy it kind of goes back to what I just talked about where I think every person is going to have a different personal definition of that and that that's okay right like that's why we're all different people right like the world wouldn't operate if we were all motivated by the same things and that's another thing I've had to learn a lot about when building this company and hiring especially hiring full-time employees like realizing okay seems like this person's motivated by this that's interesting seems like this person is motivated more by this how can I work with the two and make sure we're all on the same page because success for him looks different from success for her. So how can we all have this successful process? I think if I were to define success for the business, it would probably be um, serving as many kids as we can, getting as close to our total addressable market. That's kind of a boring answer. Success for me, um, honestly, getting to heaven. <laughs> being a good person, um, being a good sister, hopefully a good mom one day. And I would love to be a business leader um, in the sense that I really want to be able to give back. And I think kind of bringing the conversation full circle, Damon was a really good example of success. Like the way, the way that he make, made waves that are going to continue and make ripple effects through the UVA entrepreneurship ecosystem and the Charlottesville community beyond, that to me is the embodiment of success. And if I were to be any person in the world, I would want to be someone like him where I'm helping people like for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.